Good morning, Your Honors. I am Jessica Shui from Kennedy and Graven, representing the city of Anoka in the Sober House case. We're here today, the city of Anoka, to ask that this court reverse the lower court's grant of summary judgment to One Love on the basis that One Love failed to meet its burden of proof that it was entitled to a reasonable accommodation of seven individuals in a single-family dwelling in an R1 zone instead of the ordinance limit of four unrelated adult males. If this court is not inclined to reverse the lower court's decision, then we're requesting that this court remand the case for trial on questions of fact. The ability to say... You want an outright reversal that will result in a dismissal? Yes, Your Honor. Despite all of those city council comments that that clearly, in my view, raise a a jury question as to disparate treatment. And an issue the district court did not reach. And I understand what you're saying, Your Honor. I would agree, and that's why we're asking an alternative, that there be a remand for trial, that there be a question of fact for the jury on those questions. However... In the first instance, it's still one love's burden of proof that there was a disparate, and Your Honor is referring to disparate treatment, so I'm going to refer to that rather than the reasonable accommodation ruling. You've got to speak up and, and more distinctly. Okay. Sorry, Your Honor. In referring to the re- disparate treatment, since that's a claim that Your, Your Honor brought up on that one, it is fair to say that there is a council member that made inter- interesting remarks and used More the, than one. That used the term drunks. But if the court were to look at the record as a collective, much like a district court, and that's the way the city council is functioning at the time that it's considering the matters, it has to discuss and debate the issues that are before them. This process started through... We're talking about could a jury find intent to discriminate? That's what what a a disparate treatment case is. The the plaintiff has to prove discrimination. Correct. Either housing or or disability. Correct. And you can can do that. You, You almost never can do that with direct evidence. You have to have circumstantial. And it's pretty powerful circumstantial evidence when the decision makers indicate one way or another before the decision is made how they're going to rule. And because they think, you know, these people are a bunch of drunks or, you know, whatever the yes. comments are. That's, that's, what, that's what the plaintiff didn't have in, in Mataki. So in this situation... And I agree with Your Honor's summary of the law there. If there's not direct evidence, you go to circumstantial evidence. The question still is, was, did it motivate the decision? I think, In, I think you better move on to the, the issues that were briefed. Okay. I mean, I, you know, the, the, the reasonable accommod... Yeah, the first thing so, you've got to do is establish whether there was error in granting summary judgment based on the reasonable accommodation theory. The other issues weren't resolved, as I understand it, by the district court. Right, the other theories, they would be available on remand if you're correct about reasonable accommodation. Right. But not, I'd like to hear why you think there was error there. 
On the reasonable accommodation. Yeah. So yes, I'll switch to that claim. On the reasonable accommodation, our position is that it was one love's burden of proof. If you look at uh, appendix pages 96 to 97, this is where there's a colloquy between the city attorney and the attorney representing one love at the time that the application is being considered. Who has the burden of proof and did you, one love, because the city's position is that it's one love, it's responsibility and burden of proof that they needed the accommodation and that the accommodation was reasonable. One love took the position that it was not their burden of proof, simply that it was sufficient for them to say that they had disabled individuals living in the home and that there were... Where is this position stated? It's at uh, appendix pages 96 and 97. It's the city, it's the final city council meeting. But that doesn't really matter as long as the district court applied the correct burdens of proof. Well, so this... The city council functions as like a district court because it's acting in a quasi-judicial capacity. Yes, then it does go to, did Judge Thunheim apply the um, same standard who had the burden of proof? Our position still is that on that, and the, if you look at the record and the difference between four and seven, again, sober homes are permitted in the city of Anoka. In this particular home, it had already been operating with four individuals by One Love's own statement successfully. The, the city council members, several of them asked, said in response, that indicates to us that it's sufficient to operate with four and you have not put in front of us additional evidence to show that you need to be up to seven. You can operate at four, and the disability is accommodated at four. There wasn't sufficient additional evidence that you needed to be up to seven. But this is a fact dispute, right, as to what, what is the appropriate number of, of um, individuals to create a therapeutic environment? So it does become a fact dispute at some point. And this is the difference. So part of what we had argued to the lower court was, and it's akin to what your honors were just discussing in the prior case, what did the district court judge know? What did the city of Anoka and its council members know at the time that they were first making the decision what was in front of them. There were not studies put in front of them. There was no specific indication that in this house, seven individuals as opposed to simply four was necessary to achieve the therapeutic benefit. Litigation occurred, we brought a motion to limit the discovery, we lost, and then depositions took place, including expert evidence. It, the expert evidence comes in, and the expert evidence does su suggest that it is necessary to have four, or excuse me, seven instead of four, in order to have better therapeutic benefit. I'm still going to underscore the word better. That's part of the reason why our position is we're still entitled to a reversal of the summary judgment, because the law does not require better. You, you want to have a trial on whether seven is really necessary or whether it's just ideal or optimal, which you think would not be necessary. Right. That, right, that would be the triable issue of fact. 
on that point. Another tribal issue of fact will be whether there's a fundamental change in the zoning code. Our position is, is that there was sufficient evidence that this constituted a fundamental change in the zoning nature in the neighborhood. The city was organized to have several residential zones, R1, R2, R3, R4. Going from four to seven is an increased density use of a single family dwelling by 42%. This particular neighborhood was R1. This same use, a single family dwelling use, can be used with the quantity of people that they have in the R3 or R4 zone. One love, in effect, caused their own harm because they chose to purchase a single family dwelling in the lowest density residential use, rather than choosing a zone where they could have had a single family dwelling and a greater recognition of and accommodation for the increased density. Your Honors, I'm beginning to approach the, the end of my time here because I, well, do, not, I do wish. Not, that's not significant to me. Are we dealing here with a... Um intra-district conflict? And if so, why didn't you tell us that? Yeah. There would be, I would say there's a developing intra-district conflict. Existing. So, I'm sorry, what? I can't, I can't recon reconcile the district court oh. opinion we're reviewing with the, the Meraki case. Oh on particularly the reasonable accommodation issue. Well, why, why didn't you, well you did, you'd at least, get, at least pointed it out in a footnote, but you know, one of our functions as a court of appeals is to deal with intra-district conflicts. Do we have that here? I don't believe that the judges, in that sense, erred in the law when they were applying the law. I had the luxury of arguing three cases against my same opposing counsel three times. So, no, no, it's not. It's but, not. It's how are, the, how are the facts different? Meraki is, is substantially different. Okay, and one because Your Honor brought up the. You don't the want, okay, you don't want us to follow Meraki. I would want your honors to follow the, the terms of the legal principles. Well, I would. Talk, I mean, you're talking about the reasonable accommodation issues, and I read Meraki at pages uh, seven to eight of the way it of the way it um, it uh, printed out. Yes, your honor. I can't reconcile Chief Judge Schultz's analysis of this issue with former Chief Judge Tunheim's analysis in this case. And that, to me, tells me I've got to reconcile the two. And how do I do that? On necessity and on, on uh, reasonableness. Okay. If I recall correctly. The, the, um, whether there's anything tenable in the expert evidence that, that the one love presented. Judge Schultz said no, none at all. Said that, that I, I, I ignore that chap entirely. There's a substantial difference between the facts and the two cases and the terms and the nature of the council members. Uh, what is it? And also the size and nature of the home that was being proposed to be used and, and the number of number of residents. And then the zoning structure was also different there in terms of R1, 2, 3, and 4 and the allowed uses. Um, Your Honors, I would like to reserve some time. It would be. I've got something else I want to okay. And, and that is, when did One Love acquire this home in, in relation to 
the adoption of these of the ordinance the first ordinance and this amended ordinance so the the, the first ordinance that was in place would have, was in place at the time that we know that they began to occupy the home and use it as a sober home in 2017 because they had, we had this the ordinance was in like 2006 or 8 correct the city of anoka already had in place a sober license so it was in common law terms why isn't this a coming to the nuisance factor here? Well, we are arguing that they created their own harm here because they, the, well, this did, had a sober... Did you, re, did you research whether in, 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 zoning, in, in zoning laws versus these federal statutory requirements, a, a concept like coming to the nuisance is, re, is relevant? Yes, Your Honor. So the brief suggests, though, it's all irrelevant. So to me, it's totally illogical. Right, Your Honor. We did cite the court to cases because our position is they chose the location. The location was restricted for again in Anoka. Sober licensing was already in existence at the time that they purchased it. The only thing that was not in existence at the time of the 2018 application was the reasonable accommodation request to seek a deviation from the R1 limitations. I, I, this came down to four sober houses after 10 years or so of the ordinance being in effect. Was One Love one of the four remaining or... No, not at that time. So, so they're adding to the four or what? Correct. They, correct. They actually have two homes located within the city of Anoka. They what? They have two sober homes located within the city of Anoka. They only sought the reasonable accommodation request to increase the density in one, the one that's the subject before you're honest. The other home is, is what is zoned how? I believe it's also R1 zone, but it's... As far as the city knows, it's operating within the limitation of four unrelated adults. Okay. Your Honor, as my time is running out, I'd still like to save some time, so I'll pass. Thank you, Ms. Shree. Mr. Benson? Good morning, Your Honors, and may it please the Court and Council. Your Honors, Scott Benson on behalf of the Appellees, uh, One Love Housing, and Mr. McNillis. Your Honors, the Appellees are asking that this Court affirm the District Court's decision, particularly with regard to the grant of summary judgment to the uh, Appellees in this case, as well as the dismissal of the, uh, uh, of the defendant's motion for summary judgment. What, what all did the summary judgment in your favor uh, resolve in the ongoing dispute? Yes, Your Honor, in any of these disputes, there's three prongs you can look at. And the first one is whether or not the city made a reasonable accommodation. And that is the dispute that was ended by the court's decision. The court ruled that the city had an obligation to make a reasonable accommodation, and they failed in that obligation. And quite simply, Your Honor, that is the law. And whether or not... That's, that's stated with such generality, it's meaningless. Well, let's talk about specifics then, Your Honor, because I'm happy to do that, and I think we need to do it at this point. First of all, Your Honor, this idea that the city sits as a quasi-judicial body 
in making these decisions? Forget that. Okay. It's just wrong. No, it's not necessarily wrong, but it's not, it's not controlling. Yeah, and it, but it is wrong with regard to these cases. When you're dealing with a federal statute that says the city cannot discriminate it on the basis of a disability such as alcoholism, Prove et cetera. discrimination. Yes, and that they have to offer a reasonable accommodation if it's now reasonable and necessary. That, that's, a, that's a subset. I mean, okay. It, it is a subset. Agreed, Your Honor? Yeah, and, that's, and a highly controversial one, and the case law is not, is not all that crystal clear on, on a, free, a freestanding obligation to reasonably accommodate what, what, when there's in an absence of either a disparate impact or disparate treatment discrimination. Yes. Council, has the question of necessity been resolved? Yes, Your Honor, I believe it has. And why isn't that a, a, a fact question to, um, to be tried in, in terms of whether or not you need seven or more people to have uh, a therapeutic environment? Yes, Your Honor. Your Honor, essentially what the necessity requirement requires is that we show that the accommodation is going to create the ability for these disabled people to live in the housing of their choice. And that's what happened here. The City Council was aware by three different means that having more than four people would provide a therapeutic environment. Three means beyond the expert report. First, Mr. Hoffner, the attorney for One Love Housing, sent a letter very early in the process. So let me just stop you. Meraki, yes. therefore, was wrong on this issue. Yes, Meraki was wrong. So we are dealing with intra-district conflict. Yes, but I do agree with Ms. Shui. Meraki was a very different case, Your Honor. Um, is that case on appeal, or what's No. This? It was just resolved and ended? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Um, Meraki was a different case, as Ms. Shui pointed out. They had many more residents in Meraki. Um, the decision in Meraki was based on uh, council action that was very different from what happened in Anoka. Wait, 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 wait. That, that's irrelevant to reasonable accommodation. No, uh, there, there weren't as many... For example, well, I mean, there wasn't as much evidence of necessity in Meraki as there is the, in the Anoka But the case. essence of, of the Meraki decision, as I read it, is if, if four was reasonable, there's the, this expert is, is just whistling in the dark when he says, oh, but seven would be better, and better isn't the law anyway. That isn't what he said, and that isn't our position. What, what the expert says is you cannot have a therapeutic environment with four, and it requires at least seven. That's what the expert said. And that's what those three other instances. Is that the expert that uh, the, Mer the Meraki court says uh, was not credible? I, I think the Meraki court didn't believe that Mr. Curtis had the relevant expertise to opine on the matter of whether or not the sober home could function at the amount that they were taking in because they, he said he wasn't a business expert. But I don't believe that uh, the chief judge questioned whether uh, Mr. Curtis had qualification to determine how a sober home works and what is effective treatment. Plaintiffs rely on anecdotal experiences and the expert report of Curtis 
the most a jury could reasonably infer is that a 10-resident house is preferable to a six-resident house, not that a six-resident house is incapable of providing sufficient therapeutic benefits. So, Your Honor, again, this is the difference between Meraki and the Anoka case. What's the difference? They had six, 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 six versus four. As, six versus four. four. And it isn't an exact science, but as Curtis points out, four is not enough to have two per bedroom, which is extremely important for sober homes. Four isn't enough to create a community of people who support each other, who live as a family unit, and provide that support that people in recovery need. And, and you're, you're relying there on these, on, is this, this Ipsy Dixit or is this evidence that you're speaking of? Well, it, it's both evidence that was put in the record before the city council. Can you cite? No, no, I mean evidence in the, in the summary judgment record. Yes. Yes, it's in the summary judgment record, too, Your Honor. Hang on, I will have it. But let me just tell you what the three instances were, and I will find it. The three instances in which the city council was provided with information was the letter from Mr. Hoffner uh, that came early in the process that said that it requires at least eight uh, people to have that uh, that. Uh, that uh, ability. And the site in the record is a record document 63 58 to 64. But that's just anecdotal. That's, per, that's a personal opinion. No. He cited the fact that courts have found that and that there are expert opinions the, of that and nature. The courts and the, where are the judicial sites? Are they in the letter? Yes. You can read the letter on that, Your Honor. But what's the, uh, what federal circuit court is cited? Um, I, I don't have the letter in front of me, and I don't Anything remember. other than state trial courts? I, I mean... I, I, I believe it's a Florida uh, district court one, that he cites. One Florida district court. Well, it, it, there may be others, Your Honor. I'm sorry, I can't remember. The cases establish, you know, that's... Exactly. Yeah. Um, the second opportunity that was presented to the council was in the September 23rd, 2018 reasonable accommodation request. That's at the record at 63-4, page 7. In that, one love provided an explanation as to how the proposed accommodation would benefit persons with a disability, and one love said, a modification to increase the number of residents permitted to live in the home is necessary to provide a strong support group in a residential environment. The applicant knows of no alternative. Okay, but you just, I read, I heard the word necessary, and now I want to know supporting authority for you. Yes, Your Honor. And again... One Love's opinion, which couldn't be more self-serving. Well, again, Your Honor, One Love has won sober homes. And they know what it takes to create an environment. And they know for people... But this isn't proof. Well, Your Honor, it's testimony. And there's nothing to, but, but, there's but, nothing from the other side saying four is fine. A reasonable jury could reject that. No, well... A reasonable jury could, could reject that if there was anything coming the other way to say, no, four is fine. But there's no evidence on that side. And that's what I Judge Thunheim... I thought this home had been in operation for some time. Not you? very long. How long? I, I, my recollection is that it was a number of weeks before they moved beyond four. Uh, and it, how, how about but they, the other they were willing to move in under the existing rule that would have limited them to four 
believing that four was enough? Or were no, they-, they they believed that they were entitled to a reasonable accommodation to go from four to seven. They believed the house was big enough to accommodate that, and they believed that this was not a fundamental change. Was that accommodation requested upon the initial request? To- it was requested very shortly after they took possession of the house, is, is my recollection, by that letter that came from Mr. Hoffner. So, and how about the other home? The details? How long had that been in operation? I think it came into operation after uh, the Washington House came into operation. And I, I, I don't want to correct me, so Shri, but... So I, this was a test case. I mean, there were areas of Anoka, I assume, that where, where seven, which were zoned so that seven would be permissible. But that's not what the law says. That's your statement. Well, no, I can read that's to you. That's what, we're here to, that's what we're here to determine. I can read to you what Congress said when they adopted the amendments to the FHA. They say, while state and local governments have authority to protect safety and health and regulate use of land, that authority has sometimes been used to restrict the ability of individual, individuals with handicaps to live in communities. This has been accomplished by means uh, as okay, the... That's, impos- that's fine. Right. What but are you reading from there? It's the congressional record, H.R. Uh, 100. Legislative history. It's a yeah, House legislative history. Report. Yes. House committee report. Okay. Right. And, and the reason they amended it was to allow people with disabilities to live where they wanted to live, not where the city is going to shunt them away to live. Now, the other thing I should say is the question about who has the uh, burden of proof initially, is disputed amongst the circuits. The third circuit would say it's the defendant's burden. Now, Judge Thunheim, I think, rightly pointed out by looking at Peebles and the ADA cases that, no, he thinks the Eighth Circuit would follow Peebles and say, no, it is the burden of the plaintiff in the first instance to come forward and say that the request is reasonable. And You're arguing he was wrong. Did you cross, did you cross appeal on that issue? No, no, no. I don't think he's wrong. I think, but I would say the Eighth Circuit has not come to a conclusion with regard to the FHA or housing cases as to who bears that burden of proof. Judge Thunheim says this in the King of Jones County case, they say that they think the Eighth Circuit would come to this conclusion that the plaintiff has the burden of proof. And we've met it here. We came forward to show this was reasonable. This house isn't too small for seven people to live in. In the R1 district, you can have a family of six, seven, eight, nine, ten people living together. You can have... That's all in the briefs. It's all in the briefs, Your Honor. But... This isn't such a fundamental change to what is allowed otherwise in an R1 district. And I would ask that the well, court... Now you are talking about what the defendant probably, the city had the burden to rebut, I mean, right. to defend. But that, that's, we're, talking, we're, we're talking about your client's burden to get relief under a federal statute. And what Judge Thunheim said, and what is the case, we came forward and met our burden. We showed... That's the question we're talking about. Yes. You keep, I mean, you, your argument is nothing but question begging as far as I can tell. 
Well, Your Honor, I don't know how else to explain it other than the fact that... That's that's often the case. (laughs) Other than the fact that we've pointed out that all of the evidence in the record is four people is not enough to create the environment that's necessary. Not that's nice to have. Wait, wait, wait. If all the evidence isn't strong enough to allow a, a jury, to, to allow a court to conclude that a reasonable jury would have to accept it as a matter of law, then you don't get summary judgment. Agreed. And it okay. is strong enough. Well, I, I, don't, I don't hear anything that's strong other than opinions and, and an expert report that, I, that may or may not be more, anything more than episodic opinion-based. But how else, how else do you prove what is a therapeutic benefit? Well, you have if, to, you if have there, to, if there is a, if there is a house in, if there is a house of four, which has been operating as a sober house effect, effectively, that's pretty devastating. It wasn't, but, but there's no evidence that it was operating effectively. In fact, one love found quite quickly that four wasn't going to work there. People weren't home. That's one operator. We had we have four existing after the reductions caused by the zoning. And I, I think there's two now. So they didn't last very long either. And the only two that are in Anoka right now, now, we get, now we get into are one profitability, up. which is not my, in my <laughs> in my in my view of the world, that's not necessity. Well, Your Honor, though court decisions, the Esslings oh, Homes case and other court decisions have said... You put it in the plural, and I'll bet, it, I'll bet they're all district courts or state courts. But, again, there's no decision from the Eighth Circuit, That's I would right. argue, saying that it's not. And, and if you can't operate, not to make a profit, but to make ends meet so that you can keep moving, you can't have a sober home. Thank Why you, Mr. can't Pepper. you? Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Thank you so Thank much, you, Your Honor. Ms. Shui, your rebuttal. Your Honors, thank you. I don't have much time, so I want to focus on the admission by my uh, opposing counsel that it is not an exact science. This is not an exact science. Whether going from four to seven will provide a therapeutic benefit, and that was why the city council said, you have not submitted to us enough proof that you need this accommodation from to go from four to seven. You've been op- in operation for a year under our so- sober license uh, ordinance, with four individuals. There wasn't additional compelling evidence to go from four to seven, increasing the density 42%. Why does he say it was a few weeks and you say it was a year? What's the real? I'm not sure what the discrepancy is there, but your honor, it is discussed in the appendix. It would be around pages um, 91 to 92, it talks about the fact that they have been licensed since 2017 and that the application was coming in in 2018. And the decision was made in November 2018. All right, thank you. Yes. Uh, I, have, I realize that my time is exhausted, but if, if the parties could impress upon the court, we would strongly um, request detailed opinion from this court. 
we've been litigating this issue over and over again on the burden of proof and the different impacts of the different claims. Cities of the Minnesota need guidance on this issue because sober homes are continuing to be a regular occurring thing. And therefore, we appreciate your time and attention to the materials. Thank you.